This is Andrew Schultz. I'm the sales manager for CHS Ag Services. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan. We'll also hear reports from Whitney Pittman, Don Wick, and Tyler Donaldson. Well, Congress approved a temporary stopgap spending bill yesterday, yesterday afternoon, that will avoid a government shutdown temporarily. Uh, House passed the bill yesterday afternoon on a 320 to 99 vote. The Senate passed the measure on a 77 to 13 vote. The measure extends the funding until March 8th for parts of the government. That includes USDA and the rest until March 22nd. That bill now heads to uh, President Biden for his signature. The unofficial spring crop insurance prices set during February, somewhere between 15 and 30 percent lower than a year ago, depending on the crop. Average corn price during February averaged 466 per bushel. That compares to last year's 591. Uh, the drop of 27%. Uh, February average soybean price was $11.55 a bushel. That compares to $13.76 a bushel a year ago, and that is 16% lower. The projected spring wheat price is 30% lower than a year ago, $6.85 a bushel. Commodity Classic underway in Houston, and it may be a big day for biofuels. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Don Wick has more. Randy, eight Midwestern states asked for year-round access to 15% ethanol-blended fuel two years ago. Minnesota Corn Growers Association Executive Director Adam Burr says the recent EPA decision regarding that is a mixed bag. Of course, we're happy that you know the governor's waiver was granted, but we're really frustrated that it's delayed. And now this is the third year in a row we're going to have to pursue an emergency waiver. And you know, in Minnesota, we've got more than 400 stations offering E15 now, and the sales numbers are amazing. The consumers really want the product, and the thought that we're going to have to fight for an emergency waiver, or worst case scenario, that all those pumps would have to be bagged, and what kind of optics would that give to a consumer? and the confusion that it would create. So it is a bit of a mixed bag in terms of some frustration that we are delayed. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack and EPA Administrator Michael Regan will be sharing the stage this morning at Commodity Classic. There is hope another announcement will be made regarding sustainable aviation fuel and the models used for the greenhouse gas standards. Yeah, well, we're encouraged, I guess. I know there's a lot of speculation as to when they talked about sort of a, a modified greed. Well, what's that going to mean, for, especially for corn-based SAF? But the idea that uh, uh, Secretary Regan and Vilsack are appearing together, uh, I, I think that's probably a first to have those two come together. So I think folks are optimistic about what that might mean for a greed announcement. In addition, the leaders of the American Soybean Association, National Corn Growers Association, National Association of Wheat Growers, National Sorghum Producers, and Association of Equipment Manufacturers will be on the Commodity Classic stage today. That includes Harold Woolley from Medelia, Minnesota, and Cullum, North Dakota farmer Josh Gackle. Our coverage of Commodity Classic made possible by the Minnesota Soybean Research and Promotion Council, the Minnesota Soybean Growers Association by Truterra, and Ag Country Farm Credit Services. I'm Don Wick in Houston at Commodity Classic. Minnesota is well represented in the American Soybean Association policy meetings at Commodity Classic. Minnesota Soybean Growers Association Secretary Rose Wendinger is part of that process. 
I would say for um, the Minnesota state priorities, we're looking at a lot of um, protection and increase of the biofuels, um, making sure that our rural infrastructure is supported, getting some better tax laws put in place to support family transitions, and then just overall support for the family farmers. North Dakota Soybean Growers Association President Casey, Casey Bitts working to set policy priorities for the upcoming year as well at Commodity Classic. main reason why we're here is for the policy for being president of North Dakota Soybean Growers Association. This is why we're here at Commodity Classic, really focus in on what our policies are going to be at the national level, working with the American Soybean Association for the current year. Obviously, continue to look at the Farm Bill. Um, crop insurance always continues to be the main focus, protecting that and continue to develop programs to strengthen it. Looking at safety nets, understanding ARC and PLC, you know, what needs to be done to continue to develop those programs and have developed farmers so they have as many tools in their toolbox they can have. Climate, also part of the dis uh, discussion. It's always, you know, we continue to look at the future, you know, where this direction is going, but able to protect farmers and what they want to understand that farmers know what to do best on their land. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Premium Ag Solutions hosted its Ag Day yesterday. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. Grand Farm Grower Program Coordinator Stetson Erlocker said during his presentation that grower input is a staple of what research they do. The grower pain point report is something they provide to ag companies to help them understand exactly what problems are important to growers each year. Initially, we were published in 2020. We set out and said, we got to take these challenges and these pain points that farmers and ranchers have in the region, and we got to make it available for folks to know outside of this region as they're developing these solutions. So we set out and we set that first report out in 2020, uh, then revised and came up with version two in 2023. And we're looking at here probably in the next two years, we'll have version three out, just kind of continually evolving, just continually evolving, uh, being a living, breathing document and taking things like today, learning a little bit more about the challenges that farmers and ranchers face and matching it with technology that's gonna be relevant and cost effective. Grand Farm also has a grower advisory board in place to help guide research projects. You got to think about where is that market share? Who wants it? Who needs it? And why do they do what they do? So being able to take that report, being able to take those inputs from our growers and really what we start off with is our grower advisory board. So that's 11 folks from around the region, uh, as far up as Minot Ward County, uh, and then as far south as Brown County, South Dakota, uh, and a little bit of everywhere in between. But taking those 11 folks and bringing their input in to help guide my work and the work of Grand Farm, uh, and then being able to go out to the broader agricultural community, engage their needs, gauge, gauge their interests, uh, and then take that back out to our corporate America, startups, researchers, the folks that really need this report. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network. Doug Nord is a former contract researcher who worked on several projects for the Environmental Protection Agency, helping to gather data for approving new technologies and chemicals. He also was a presenter at Premium Ag Solutions Ag Day covering safety in the food supply. Nord covered the misconceptions that GMOs are digested differently than conventional crops. The introduction of genetic material into a plant species uh, to produce a trait that that plant species did not originally possess, that is done by, by introducing, as I said, the, some genetic material, and that genetic material produces 
proteins, a group of proteins, and that's what lends that trait to that plant. But when those that plant that contains these proteins is uh, digested in the human gut or other animal species, it is treated as any other protein. And the GMOs that are on the market have been tested very carefully. It's not somehow going to affect you just because it's, it's an introduced genetic material. There's all foods have uh, DNA in, in, in them, and so we're digesting that all the time. And so, but really, the, the GMOs um, really have been tested very carefully and shown to be, to be safe. Grain markets continued their two-sided trading action yesterday. Global Commodity Analytics and Consulting President Mike Zuzlo said end-of-the-month spread unwinding also was one of the features. But we still, I think, overall, because year-to-date commitments on corn are up 30% and beans are down 20%, I think you have overall a situation where the trade realizes, the funds realize they probably bought too much into beans and sold too aggressively into the corn. I think that's probably the name of the game here as we uh, get ready to close out the month of February. Weather is another factor. And I think there's a fundamental element to it, but we won't know that, I don't think, or I won't have a very good idea of whether I'm on the right track um, probably until next week because we are looking at second crop corn in Brazil starting to heat up very much and, and weather potential for rains doesn't seem all that great. But we're seeing some areas, key corn belt areas of safrina corn in Brazil, Mato Grosso province, hit 100 degrees today. And uh, rain is a necessity early next week when it's called for. Um, we'll see what the actual physical precip totals will be. Get the latest news and weather updates anytime by listening to the Red River Farm Network podcast. You can find those at rrfn.com and most anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. It's a very different economic landscape that producers are facing from last year's planting season. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Tyler Donaldson has more from Commodity Classic. Being with uh, Farm Credit Services of America, Senior Vice President of Insurance and Consumer Lending, Tony Jacina. So going into the 2024 planting season, it's a bit of a different landscape here uh, as compared to previous years. What are some of the changes that you guys at Farm Credit Services have seen and what are some of the things that farmers out there should be aware of going into this planting season? The biggest thing is the commodity outlook. If you look at prices now relative to a year ago, uh, we've seen significant deterioration in prices. And so, you know, that impacts producers' ability to cover their break-even. A year ago, a lot of producers were able to take out a risk management plan that covered their cost of production. It's going to be more of a challenge this year. So producers need to take a harder look at what their risk management plan is this year because uh, it's not business as usual. They need to take a look at maybe some different options than maybe what they've considered in the past. Any advice out there farmers could look out for to help out that bottom line? The first thing is uh, you got to know your cost of production. And, and so once you know that, then you can look at where's that cost of production relative to the market. And then if you're looking at making changes in your operation, what impact is that going to have on your cost of production? Mm-hmm. And if you don't like where your cost of production is at, you know, visit with you know, like one of our agents, one of our loan officers, we can look at ways to maybe to adjust your cost of production. Maybe it's how your debt is structured. Maybe there's a way to restructure or rebalance your debt so that the cash flow is more uh, in line with where your revenue is going to be, you know, going forward. So you might have to look at how your debt's structured. 
And then you also need to take a hard look at your risk management plan to look at, you probably have to look at some different options or avenues in the past to maybe shore up the bottom line so that you can protect the break-even. Anything else we should be talking about here, Tony, at the uh, Commodity Classic? Uh, the biggest thing is we've got, on the crop insurance side, we've got a deadline coming up, uh, March 15th for most producers. And with that, you need to make your farm bill elections and, and need to take that into account first because that could impact what options you can or can't have on the crop insurance side. So that's the whole ARC and PLC conversation. And that's got a lot more weight to it this year because that can be impactful just because of where the commodity prices are. That was Farm Credit Services of America Senior Vice President of Insurance and Consumer Lending, Tony Jacina. Live coverage of the 2024 Commodity Classic is brought to you by Minnesota Soybean Research and Promotion Council, Minnesota Soybean Growers Association, Ag Country Farm Credit Services, and TruTerra. Live from Houston, Texas, for the Red River Farm Network, I'm Tyler Donaldson. Checking markets before we leave you this morning. We're a little softer in the corn and beans. We're seeing wheat down. Uh, rather, we're softer in the wheat and corn. Bean market trading a little bit higher. We're five, one to five lower in the wheat complex. We're a penny lower to two lower in the corn. And we're uh, five to six higher in the soybeans. On the farm calendar, again, Commodity Classic continues through tomorrow in Houston, Texas. South Dakota State University SDSU Extension hosting a conference for women in agriculture. That begins today. That'll be in Fort Pier. That runs out through tomorrow as well. Coming up next week, South Dakota State University Extension hosting a, a three-day estate planning and farm secession conference, March 5th, 12th, and 18th in Watertown. Thanks for joining us this morning. Have a great day. This is the Red River Farm Network.